the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Lovers of lawlessness celebrate as the Michael Sussman saga comes to an end with a surprising acquittal. That and more today on The Grid. In order to expand our audience to like-minded believers and patriots, you have to tell them about us. How do you do that? I'm so glad you asked. Right now, in this moment, hit that follow button on your podcast and give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends and your neighbors about this community. Share any episode on your social media. If you feel compelled to share that photo of little Johnny who fell in a puddle, then surely sharing an episode of The Grid is just as easy. Help us today. Tell others about the Kingdom Patriot Group and this podcast, The Grid. Welcome to this week's News and Review. Fox News reported that Biden is getting increasingly frustrated that his staff keep walking back his statements. Really? That necessitates a minimum of three comments on my part. One, apparently Biden is in a state of complete denial. And the fact that he is known throughout the U.S., even from his most staunch supporters, that he is the ultimate king of gaffes. Two, if you don't want your staff correcting your statements, then don't say stupid stuff. Quit making false statements or ones that are political damaging. And three, if the president can't control his own staff, how in the world is he really in charge of the executive branch? Since that was not a rhetorical question, I'll answer it. He's not in charge. To other news, more sobering news, Saturday night, gunmen opened fire in Philadelphia's popular South Street District, killing three and injuring 11. This is what we know so far. There were at least two shooters, and the police recovered at least two semi-automatic handguns and at least one extended magazine. The shooters were firing into a crowd of people. As we talk about gun violence, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the news and the commentary, the vitriol that we see every day, doesn't really tell the whole story. You don't think the news isn't corrupted? Did you know since Uvalde there have been 26 mass shootings in the U.S. according to gunviolencearchive.org? There have been 24 people killed and 124 injured in these shootings. There hasn't been a lot of news on these, and I suspect that's because in only two of the 26 shootings was an AR-15-style weapon involved. And secondly, they just don't fit the narrative. And I'm going to give an example of this. One of those shootings was in West Virginia. A man with an AR-15 started firing into a crowd at a party. And you would think this would make national news and be Uvalde National Story Part 2. But it wasn't. And I'm sure you're asking why, as I was. Well, let me read this ABC News story, and perhaps you'll have a better understanding. Dennis Butler, 37, was killed Wednesday night after he pulled out the rifle and began shooting at dozens of people attending the birthday graduation party outside an apartment complex in the city of Charleston, West Virginia. Police said in a statement, A woman who's attending the party drew a pistol and fired, killing Butler, the statement said. No one at the party was injured. Instead of running from the threat, she engaged with the threat and saved several lives last night, Chief of Detectives Tony Hazlitt told the news outlet on Thursday. Of course, this doesn't fit the narrative because now a gun-owning law-abiding citizen neutralized the threat of the non-law-abiding criminal gunman. Speaking of not fitting the narrative, did you know of these 26 shootings since Uvalde? Exactly 50%? Yes, that's correct. Half of them occurred at some type of party. Grad party, block party. 
That's an unbelievably high correlation. Maybe we should start banning parties using the logic the left likes to use. Furthermore, of the 26 shootings, as we stated earlier, only two were identified to have involved an AR-15-style weapon. The rest were handguns or unverified at the moment. We'll talk more about this in upcoming weeks as we do a special podcast on gun violence. But back to the media. In regards to the media and liberal politicians, I've come to believe the more sensational the story, the higher the ratings, the better they feel about themselves. In reality, in this story, the only victim was the bad guy. So that's not really big news. In Uvalde, the 19 students were victims, and that can be sensationalized. That can be used to promote an agenda. If only the media were as passionate about protecting younger children, specifically the 63 million murdered in the womb in the name of convenience. For this week's news and review segment, that's a wrap. Now to Sussman's acquittal. Hey, Sean, I am so glad that I am not tackling this topic alone today. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. So I I think before we dive in, we probably need a little bit of background on exactly who is Michael Sussman? What what was he acquitted from? What what in the world was this trial trial involving? Should we dive into that? Well, I could use some background, so hit it, man. All right. So actually, Michael Sussman, he's an attorney. He began as a career as an associate in the law firm of Proskauer Rose. He also worked, a lot of people don't realize this, worked for 12 years as a prosecutor in the U.S. Justice Department, which ought to concern people, given the, the political nature of this individual. He specialized in computer crimes. He was a special assistant in the United States Department of Justice Criminal Division, was later appointed as senior counsel. He worked as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Virginia, where he focused on white collar and violent crime. And then since 2005, he's worked for Perkins Cole, where he was a partner in its privacy and cybersecurity practice. So that's what we know about Michael Sussman's career. But what we're diving in today is the fact that he ended up in court. And he ended up in court because of his work as a partner in this firm with Perkins Coy. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. Perkins Coy, Perkins Cole. And ultimately what happened is that he took information to the FBI claiming that there was some connection between Russia and Trump. I'm sure you've heard a little something about that, right, Sean? Yeah, a little. <laughs> I mean, all we could, all we heard about since 2016 is the fact this Trump-Russia collusion. That, that was like the three words that, are, that were uttered out of every Democrat's mouth for the last six years. So part of how all this started is that Attorney General William Barr actually appointed John Durham as special counsel to look into the origins of this, given the fact that in all the investigations, it turned out to be false, which I really appreciate for two reasons. Number one, Bill Barr wanted to make sure that we got to the why. It wasn't so much that the things were determined to be false with, with Trump. It was, why was this investigation started in the first place? And was there wrongdoing in that? And the second was by appointing John Durham, he is, it w- was able to ensure that the investigation continued regardless of who won the 2020 election and ended up in the White House. And for that, I, I applaud Bill Barr because I think it was pretty, pretty wise. So what happened is in 2021, September 2021, Durham's grand jury indicted Sussman for making false statements to the FBI, specifically to General Counsel James Baker during, that, during the time they had a meeting in 2016. And at that meeting, Sussman presented himself, if you will, 
he presented himself as just a concerned citizen that he wasn't representing anyone and that he had evidence of potential communications between computer servers at Russian Alpha Bank and the Trump organization. And the FBI found those claims to be completely without merit. But the indictment of Sussman is not based on the credibility of the claims. It's more that he told James Baker, he, again, he was not representing any client, that he was just a concerned citizen. Meanwhile, Durham had records showing that Sussman had billed the Clinton campaign for certain hours he spent working on the Alpha Bank matter. Sussman pleaded not guilty to the charge. His trial began in May of 2022, so just last month. What's also interesting about this is Durham also had evidence that he had a text message in which Sussman also claimed that he was that he was not working on the behalf of a client. So we had a couple of different instances there. And then at the end of May, the jury unanimously acquitted Sussman. So that's kind of the background. Is that, is that what you heard in the news, Sean? That is what I heard. Yes. It's kind of gotten big news because you, you have a lot of the, the right saying this is a travesty of justice. The left is celebrating. See, it was just, it never should have been prosecuted in the first place. There's a whole lot to digest on this. So we're going to dig into what this actually means when we return. The law offices of Joshua Kuhlman were established in 2015 in the Greater Dallas Metroplex. Licensed to practice law in both Texas and Florida, this firm will handle your criminal defense case. Have you been wrongly arrested or unlawfully arrested for exercising your constitutional rights? Or have you made a mistake and need honest expert representation to navigate your legal options? Then the law offices of Joshua Kuhlman are for you. I know Josh personally, an avid hunter and outdoorsman. Josh loves this country that the Lord has blessed us with. He will represent you well today. Give him a call at 903-574-3789 for a free consultation. Again, that's 903-574-3789. Be sure to mention you're a Kingdom Patriot. Chris, we're back. Hit me with your best shot. (laughs) What's going on here? So as I did a little research on this, Sean, and I'm not claiming to be legal counsel here. So this is what I've just been able to, to ascertain from uh, just doing a little bit of research. That in order to be, to be found guilty of lying to the FBI, it really require, requires two things. Number one, it requires that there be proof that the lie actually occurred. And two, that it's material in nature, that it affected the investigation. So what was really interesting, as I mentioned uh, just before break, that Bill Barr had a text me- or excuse me, John Durham had a text message that showed that Sussman said, hey, I'm not representing client when in fact he was. But that text message was not allowed to be used in court because it was past the statute of limitations. That's huge. So then it comes down to just the he said, she said, James Baker said, well, I remember him saying that he wasn't part of you know, representing a client. And Sussman's like, I never said that. And so without any third party, and any other exculpatory evidence that could verify one or the other, then ultimately it was just a he said, she said situation. The other thing that came out in the trial was that there is an argument of whether or not this was material. Now, you and I would say it's very material. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. This chaps my eye. But one thing that Sussman's counsel did a good job of was demonstrated that the FBI was all in on the Trump investigation. They were so beholden to go after Trump, that it really didn't matter whether or not his lie had any impact at all. And so the materiality question came into place because it said, well, did it really cause the investigation to occur? Because it looked like the FBI was going to do it anyway, no matter what, what, what they found out about Sussman, even if he was representing a client, they were going after Trump. I think that's a pretty important, a pretty important uh, matter of fact to come out in this trial. Yeah, but... Uh... 
you know, it, it's splitting hairs. I mean, the man's guilty, but he rides off scot-free because well, we couldn't decide if it was left twigs or right twigs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as I look at the, if as I look at this, just the case itself, what I think is, well, who's the winner in this? Well, Sussman clearly is a winner. He gets off scot-free. And you could argue the rule of law is a winner because in our country, the law matters. And so even though ethically or maybe uh, from an evidentiary standpoint, we know that, in fact, he was guilty, we still followed the law. If the statute of limitations exists, we may not like the statute of limitations, but nonetheless, it exists. And therefore, that, that evidence was not allowed to be entered. I think that's important because I think in other countries where this become more fluid, the rule of law doesn't prevail. The problem is when we start saying, well, we need to go what we know is right and not follow the rule of law, that that doesn't work so well when you have bad people in power. So while I'm, I know he was guilty, the actual, the fact that we, we follow the rule of law, you can in some ways argue that was a winner. Who are the losers in this? Well, I'd say Durham is a loser to some degree because obviously he prosecuted Sussman and he, and he, he ended up getting off. Uh, integrity is a huge loser. This guy is as guilty as can be. He's guilty of sin and his ethics are horrible. Hillary is a loser, as we'll talk about in a minute. And I think the American people are losers in this. Any thoughts on that? Well, when we talked about this a few days ago, you aptly pointed out a couple of things. What this does, because yes, it is a win for the rule of law. There are laws there. The court has to play by certain rules and otherwise it's not fair. Um, and sometimes because the because of certain circumstances, things flip out and the bad guy actually does get off. But as you pointed out in our conversation earlier, this is an example, a reason why we have to pass legislation to close these loopholes. And then the second, and I believe even more importantly, is this is why we have to make sure that we vote people into office that have character and integrity. Absolutely. Because the character and integrity people are going to take care of passing legislation that makes this right. So this crap can't happen anymore. Well, and I think, you know, I think it's a great point, Sean, because this guy was never elected, but this sleaze bag was in the Department of Justice for, for over a decade. Mm -hmm. But what we do have control of is who we elect for president. And the president appoints the attorney general and the attorney general gets to decide who is hired in the Justice Department. So you can have, kind of follow those dominoes. It's why you elect people of integrity. Right. Pure and simple. Because when it comes right down to it, I don't even remember the number, but recently I heard, oh, I was watching a movie. <laughs> Robin Williams, you know, is the, the comedian that suddenly decides to run for office and it looks like he wins. Anyway, there was a scene in there where uh, one of his assistants said he had something like 3,800 appointees he had to come up with. That number may not be, may not be accurate, but really there are more than that in Washington. Absolutely. These government agencies that, that have people and they're not elected in many ways hold more power in the government than the actual people we do elect. But that's why we need to elect people of integrity, people who have biblical values, people who respect the Constitution, so that we can hopefully get a government full of people that have the same mindset. Right. Because as you pointed out, Sussman was in 
was in his position for more than a decade. So that means he his tenure there spanned at least two presidents or at least two administrations, if not more, actually more. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, I wanted to take a moment to remind the audience that the Kingdom Patriot Group is all about, this is who we are. It's about the intersection of faith, politics, and commerce. And so what I want to do, Sean, what I want to do next, Sean, was to take this topic today and have a dialogue from these three distinct angles. I think that's awesome. You know, as I looked at this, I said, what are the faith implications of this story, of the fact that this happened? And I want to share four things that came to my mind. And I'd love to hear your comments on them and anything that the Lord has brought to your heart. So here are the, here are the four things that when it comes to faith and how it, how it involves, this is what I was thinking. Uh, number one, I, I think scripture is clear that what is in the dark eventually will be brought to light. And we're going to talk about it in a minute. But one of these came to light was testimony from Mook, which was heavily involved in Hillary's campaign. And we learn a lot about who actually was calling the shots. The second one probably is more of a reminder, and that is we should not rejoice when our enemies fall. And I would say the inverse of that is true is not to be bitter when they don't receive the justice that we think they should. The, the, the Lord says that vengeance is his, not ours, and that we also know that God says he will not be mocked. So I, I just encourage our audience from a faith perspective to not blow a head gasket going to bed when you see these kinds of things. God will not be boxed. Vengeance is his. We can trust him to do what he says he will do. What are your thoughts? That's spot on. One of the things that we can constantly be praying about when we don't know what else to pray for, especially when it comes to Washington, is justice. It used to be that if something was brought into the light, people were ashamed, they resigned, those who were in authority, in a position to prosecute or investigate, did so. But we've reached a point in the past five years where they could walk outside butt naked and nobody's going to do anything about it. You know, so being exposed is no longer enough. We can pray for justice. You know, I really appreciate you saying that because I think, I think we often are called, but also even admonished by our leaders to pray for grace, pray for mercy, pray for compassion. And we do those things and we should do those things. But God is also a God of justice. And we, we should ask God for justice. I, I love that. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. So along those same themes of faith, politics, and commerce, what is the political implications for this? Well, you know, when I look at this, I think this is a disaster for Hillary Clinton because she was clearly calling the shots. And I'm going to quote Attorney General William Barr because he was just interviewed on June the 1st about the verdict. He repeated that these debunked conspiracy theories about the origins of the Russian investigation by stating the case against Sussman really highlighted two things. Number one, it crystallized the central role played by the Hillary campaign in launching as a dirty trick, the whole Russiagate collusion narrative. And number two, and this one is not talked about a lot right now, it's much less known, it exposed very dreadful behavior by the supervisors in the FBI, the senior ranks in the FBI who knowingly use this information to start an investigation of Trump and then dupe their own agents by lying to them and refusing to tell them what the real source of that information was. And I'll, uh, this did not get a lot of headlines, but just several days ago, the FBI opened up an, an internal probe 
of their own behavior in their agency, looking for evidence of wrongdoing and bad behavior. The political implications of this are huge. That's awesome. If we have people who are seeking righteousness, that's going to be a really good thing. The other thing that goes along with that, or to me goes along with it, is uh, Mr. Mook, whether on purpose or just simply telling the truth under oath because he was directly asked, he exposed the fact that Hillary Clinton approved it. Anybody who was keeping up with this way back in the day when it first came out and was actually listening to any journalists that were actually doing their job, i.e. not the mainstream media, then we've known all this time that Hillary Clinton approved it because according to campaign finance law, correct me if I'm wrong, in order to have a transaction above X amount of money, the people in the leadership of the campaign have got to know about it. So a million dollars going to a dossier The leadership of the campaign has to approve a transaction that big. Agreed. There's no way that Hillary didn't know. Maybe we should should have another little conversation with her. What did you know and when did you know it? Yeah. In this case, it would be, what, what did you approve and when did you approve it? Right. Watch her writhe back and forth like a snake. The only thing I would say to that is I really don't want her in the headlines anymore than I would like to see justice with her. But, you know, people have large resources to protect themselves. It's likely justice will come uh, after she's passed on, not, not, in, not in this lifetime, unfortunately. So how does this affect commerce? That was something I was wrestling with. Again, as the Kingdom Patriot Group, we're about faith, politics, and commerce. How does this impact commerce? How does this affect commerce? I've been thinking about that this afternoon since we originally brought that up. I don't know. I mean, the one thing that does stick out to me is that a lot of the investigation into Trump happened before he became president in Trump Tower, a privately owned business, all because somebody was creating false narratives. Mm. And that's very concerning to me that as as a person engaging in commerce, someone can make an allegation out of me out of complete nefarious purposes and that I could have my business completely spied upon by the U.S. government, and an entire investigation can ensue when it, it's false. I mean, I consider that an invasion of privacy. The FISA court granted the uh, approval to do, to do this spying with, under false pretenses. So that concerns me as a person in business, as a person who might have interactions with global customers in Russia or other places, I might get tagged by somebody that doesn't like me. And the next thing you know, my business is at risk. Right. Because you know they were trying to tie him to Russian banks. And, you know, there are all kinds of righteous, legitimate reasons to be in touch with the bank in any other country if you're considering doing business with somebody in that country. Yeah, I I think any private citizen with a business ought to be concerned. Yeah. With this kind of behavior. And as we're heading more and more toward globalization, and we know what the we know what the book says about that, uh, this is going to become more and more important, and the government is going to have their nose in more and more things. I mean, they've already tried to to work it out that if you have a transaction over $600, that they're going to go snooping in your bank drawers. Yeah, I, I remember that. And boy, did that create an uproar. Yeah. As it should have. Right. 
so in this particular case, in, in terms of what what is the what is the commerce angle of this subject, uh, it's not a direct one, uh, but indirectly it exposes the potentiality of what the government could do when we have the wrong leaders in charge. And as I think about it, we are talking about the intersection of faith, politics, and commerce, and the intersection of politics in this case crossed right over into the commerce world. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. This is certainly uh, a disturbing result to this particular case. I understand it. I don't like it, but it certainly gives me something to pray for. Sean, closing thoughts. It's just the beginning. As long as Durham is in charge and he's on the case, we're going to see more. So this is just the beginning. Who knows? Sussman could be back under other charges later. I totally agree. I have a lot of confidence in Durham and his tenacity. I also know that I've seen a lot of investigations happen in my lifetime in the political arena with very little result where I felt like the justice was served. So we'll have to watch this, but we have to remember that our hope is in not man. Our hope is in the Lord. That's for sure. Amen. You've been listening to The Grid, a podcast production of the Kingdom Patriot Group. You can find us at kingdompatriot.us. Check us out today. I'm Sean Griffin. And I'm Chris Kuhlman. And we are Kingdom Kingdom Patriots. Thanks again for our sponsor, the Law Offices of Joshua Kuhlman. Don't forget to give him a call at 214-307-4179 for a free consultation. Again, that's 214-307-4179. Also, don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued. Your voice is needed. 